CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Well, happy Friday the 13th, Options Actions fan, and welcome. I'm Brian Sullivan, in for Melissa once again tonight. We've got a big show on deck for you here is your lineup. That's probably not the best way to make money on American Express. But thanks to today's trade news, Dan Nathan has a safer way. Then, yep, when it starts coming up like this at family functions, you know it's probably time to bail. Carter Worth opines on taking a break from biotech. And, honk if you want yield. Mike Coe helps turn your dreams into reality with a straightforward way to play CarMax. It's time to risk less and make more. Options Action starts now. Yes, it does. And welcome, everybody. Hope you're having a good Friday. So let's get right to it, right? Trade talks taking over the street today as a phase one deal pushed all the major indexes to record highs. Of course, this is a deal really without terms that anybody on the street has actually seen. But hey, whatever. Dan Nathan says if a full agreement does come through, there is one payment play that could charge up your portfolio. Let's get in the money. Dan, tell us about it. Yeah, I think it really, the narrative over the last few days has been that some of the headwinds to kind of growth or some of the headwinds to a U.S. consumer have been lifted. I have no idea what today means in terms of a phase one deal. And, and I think the administration told us we're not going to actually see anything papered until the new year. But if this enthusiasm that we've seen over the last couple months or specifically in the last few weeks carries into the new year, then you want things that are pretty much levered to the U.S. consumer. Just talk about American Express for a second. Here's a stock that trades at a uh, discount to the broad market, a discount to many of its peers, um, and probably for good reason. When you think about MasterCard up 55% of the year or Visa up 40% of the year, these are much more profitable companies that say than American Express. They have very different business models. They are pure um, just payment processing plays. But American Express at 15 times up 30% of the year, looks pretty interesting to me. It has not gotten back to its prior 52-week and all-time highs. And if you think that the market stays here or continue to move higher into the new year, that's the play right there on that chart that you want to make a run for that 130 and then a move beyond that. The company will expect it to report Q4 earnings um, probably the week of January expiration. And I think this is one is really simple. If you look at implied volatility, the price of options are really cheap um, in vol terms and also in dollar terms in this stock. So today, when the stock was trading at 124.5, you could buy the January 125 call, paying $2.35 for that. Um, that is obviously less than 2% of the stock price. It breaks even at 127.35. Uh, That's up just about two and a quarter percent or so, and then you have this kind of leverage to the upside. So to me, if you're looking for relative value, if you're looking for names that might enjoy, let's say, a run over the next months, American Express could be one of those names. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those strategies. We've talked about it in a couple different spaces. I mean, obviously, we've had an exceptionally strong market. AXP, as it happens, has not performed as well as the rest of the market. I mean, actually, it's not even quite trading at its all-time highs. One of the things that really pressured this company, obviously, was that they had, you know, some missteps, I would say. Their affinity card losses 
earlier, and they've obviously recovered somewhat from that. We're talking about a company here that's just about doubled EPS over the course of the last six years. So that's pretty good. But the strategy that Dan's talking about makes a lot of sense because, once again, we're dealing with stocks that are close to or at their all-time highs. Once again, we're talking about options prices that are relatively low. This is a way that you can risk very little to try to make a bullish bet going into the end of the year. And, again, there aren't too many stocks that are trading at the kinds of multiples that American Express is right now. I mean, it always trades at sort of a below-market multiple. Mm -hmm. and, and you make the point, of course, that it's not Visa or MasterCard. In fact, it has no peers. It's not Capital One either. Capital One is broken out, but they have credit risk. So MX is its own thing. And the truth is the setup is good, that if one wants to play for a catch-up, this is the kind of large liquid name having lagged the market that could indeed do just that, catch up. So the breakout potential is there. Okay, good discussion there, good trade. I'm watching American Express. Now let's switch gears because we've got some big after-hours moves in the biotech space. Let's get right now to that detail with Meg Terrell back at HQ. Meg. Hey, Brian, we're looking at two names, um, Horizon Therapeutics and Amaran. We'll start with Horizon. Uh, both of these companies getting FDA news, and for Horizon, it was a positive vote from an outside panel of advisors to the FDA on the company's experimental drug for thyroid eye disease. I uh, know that stock's up almost 10% in the after-hours. The FDA does not have to go with the vote from its outside panel of advisors, but it often does, and it's set to decide on that. That drug by March. Switching over to Amarin, that stock had been halted all afternoon and just reopened, uh, getting an FDA expansion of the label for what its heart drug is approved for, essentially including in the label that the drug has shown to reduce the risk of events like heart attacks and strokes. So obviously a huge concern given heart disease is the um, leading cause of death in the United States and worldwide. So Amarin up there about 3.6%, as this was generally expected. However, it did come a couple weeks early, which is a major trend we've been seeing with the FDA approving drugs a lot sooner than expected, Brian. Back over to you. All right, Meg Terrell, thank you very much. That stock moving up, Amarin up over 3%. All right, let's stay with biotech and take a broader look, maybe at the IBB, the biggest ETF for the sector. It has been surging in the second half of the year, really breaking out. It's now on pace for its longest weekly winning streak since all the way back in 2013. Wow. But your chart master says biotech's big run Probably has gone too far, too fast. So, Carter Worth, why don't you head out over to the plasma and bust out the charts on the IBB? Let's take a look. It, sometimes you're right to write calls or to trim along or to take measures if it's just too hot. And that's the case. We know that healthcare, having lagged for almost three years, has come back. And then within healthcare, biotech has been leading. So, in fact, if you were to look at this simple table, just on a two month basis, which is where the real fire has been, biotech is up more than financials. More than industrials, and these are the areas that are purportedly doing the best, right? More than staples, more than consumer discretion, by a long shot. And at this point, I think you fade it. Let's take a look at some charts and make the case. So this is the before, yes, when it was dull and boring. And what we know is there was a well-defined trend line. Take a look at the next chart. There is that trend line. And what happens? Watch your arrow. You get a major move above that level. But where is it returned to? It is returned right to a prior high. And more often, before exceeding a high, you have to contend with it. Look at the next chart. We are stuck, essentially, right at that high. We've been grinding now for almost a week, and I think what you're going to get is a period of very low vol, actually, after this big move, as two things happen. You encounter supply. People from here taking profits, I mean, getting out, excuse me, and people from here taking profits. I want my money back. I want to book my gains, and you get stuck. So the betting here is that this is actually just that stuck, and it's right to harvest some gains if one has 
done well. All right, good charting. Well, Carter, why don't you mosey on back over here to the desk. So, Mike, give our viewers the trade, perhaps, of the IBB. Yeah, so it's interesting, and Carter actually hit on something right away. He said, you know, maybe you could write some calls. And actually, interestingly enough, in IBB, that makes a decent amount of sense. Right now, the implied volatility of the at-the-money call options in IBB is around 22 and a half, 23. For a single stock, that might not seem very high, but for a stock that's actually trading at an implied volatility of about 15%, which is what IBB has been doing, that is, in fact, quite high. The problem with just simply going out and selling calls, though, is that you're exposing yourself to unlimited risk if, for whatever reason, the thesis that this is going to trade sideways here proves to be incorrect. So the way we mitigate that risk is by instead selling a call spread. Specifically, the call spread I was looking at was the January 123 spot 33 call. You sell that for $2.15 and then buy the 125 calls for $1.45. So net-net, you're collecting $0.70 cents on a spread that at its most could be worth $1.67. Now, we can calculate approximately what the likelihood is in a normal circumstance that it's actually going to end up in the money. This is a trade that will typically have a higher than even probability of profit. Why is that? Because this is a trade that will make money if IBB goes sideways, if it falls, and even if it goes up just a little bit. Obviously, the risk being that it breaks out from here, but we're mitigating the uh, risk of loss by buying that upside call in that instance. Yeah, so this is an interesting options trade. You know, so if you're just going to look, if you're a stock guy and you're a gal and you're just looking at Carter's charting and you say, ah, oh, that thing's got 115 or maybe 110 written all over it on a pullback over the next couple of months, you'd probably say, well, option prices are, are relatively cheap. I would look to make a 10% move to the downside and willing to risk maybe 2 or 3% to achieve that. Mike's trade is really different, right? Mike is looking at the probability of success, and he's saying to himself, I have a pretty high probability of a small gain here, and if Carter is right, if the thing does nothing, then I'm going to take in, let's say, close to 50% the width of this call spread that I'm selling. So this is very much an options trade, but if you said to me, I think IBB is on its way back to 105, there's other ways to do it. I don't think you'd want to do Mike's call spread. Right, and, and it also is worth noting, of course, as is the case with so many ETFs, there's a big name or two that drive it. Amgen is the big weight. One could do the XBI, which is an equal weight. But either way, again, a sector that lagged that's tripled the market. Market's up six. It's up 20 over the past two months. And then uh, this part of it even hotter in certain names. And every day we're getting a new piece of news. It just feels like it's you know, the real thing that you have to consider when you're looking at options trades, are you actually spending some money betting on something happening, or are you collecting money kind of expecting something not to happen? So here, if it basically continues to contend with this high, then it's just going to languish along here. That essentially means very little is going to happen. By selling a call spread, you're looking to get paid essentially for that nothing to happen. Uh, and if it declines, well, obviously, so much the better. Selling the call well, the, I mean, the risk, of course, the is that... Calls. It, well, I mean, is that much well, I mean, the, the risk that you're taking is, you know, the difference between the, the strikes, which is $1.67, and the 70 cents you collect. So, I mean, basically, you know, you're not risking a great deal, but the risk happens if it actually in turn breaks out. But it has to break out within the next month because that's when this thing's going to expire. All right, that was a good discussion. I learned something in that. That's a good day. All right, for everything Options Action, you can always go to our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. And while you're there, check out the newsletter. It's all right. But in the meantime, here on the television, here's what's ahead. Shares of CarMax racing higher this year. And if you're betting on more upside ahead, our Mike Coe is laying out a trade that's too good to pass up. Plus... 
calling all options action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at options action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when options action returns. Today's money mover, Wheaton Precious Metal CEO, Randy Smallwood. A commodities outlook. What's ahead for gold and the precious metal sector? Carl Quintanilla, Sarah Eisen, Money Movers. Today, 11 Eastern, CNBC. All right, welcome back, everybody, to Options Action. Today's retail numbers missed the mark a little bit. And next week, we're going to get another chance to kick the tires on the American consumer because that is when CarMax reports earnings. Now, you may not, CarMax, yeah. CarMax. It has helped investors bank some serious coin this year, up nearly 60%. But last earnings, the stock dropped immediately following the release. That despite a beat by CarMax on both the top and the bottom lines, investors sold. So, how to navigate CarMax going forward? Well, Mike Coe's got the answer, and he is over at the Plasma with his call to action. Mike. Yeah, we're going to talk about selling a covered call. And actually, for those of you who own stocks, this is probably the way that most get into the options market the first time. You sell calls against stocks that you own. And when you're looking to do this, what are some of the reasons? What are we looking for? In CarMax's case, one of the things we definitely have identified is that we see above average options prices. When you're selling options, the price of them matters a lot. The higher they are, the more you're going to collect. We see that here. Right now, it's implying a move of about 8% on earnings, and that's well above the 6% that the stock typically averages. The other thing I would point out is that, as Brian mentioned, the stock has had a heck of a run here. And right now, it's basically trading right at the average analyst price target of about $99. That's approximately where it closed. The idea here is we're trying to generate some yield on a stock that you would be willing to sell at a higher level. So this is really a yield play, kind of like trying to get yourself an extra dividend. So let's take a look at the stock and we can see exactly what Brian was talking about. Obviously, the stock has had a tremendous run here. But here's one of the interesting things. With the market making new highs, this one seems right about now to have kind of leveled off here. And we'll obviously wait to hear what Carter's view of this from a technical perspective is. But one of the things that I happen to observe is that this is a stock that Generally speaking, when it starts getting close to those upper levels of its valuation, as it is right now, and we can see this orange line is the average analyst price target through time with the price underneath it, and this is the spread. And what we can see is that when these things converge very often, what happens for the month or so after? Stock basically tries to trade sideways or falls off a little. So here's the trade. If you own the stock, what you can look to do is sell the January 105 calls. At the time that I was looking at these earlier today, you could sell them for two bucks. Now, here's the thing. You basically would be looking at a situation where you're going to just collect those $2 on the stock that you own. That's a near 2% yield on the current stock price. If the stock rallies through 105, you could potentially have your stock called away from you. But think about that. If it does that, you're going to collect the 2 bucks plus the $6 that the stock would gain between the current $99 price and that strike. So worst case, if the stock rallies through that, you're going to end up making 7 bucks, 8 bucks. That's pretty good, better than an 8% return in just one month. And if it says sit here, you're going to make 2% yield. So that's the idea when you're looking to sell covered calls. Look for a price where you'd be willing to sell the stock. Look to enhance your yield. And in... Hopefully, you can find some situations where the options are overpriced, and I think right now they are. Okay, pretty amazing. We usually talk about, you know, these tech stocks. Now we're talking about CarMax. Good stuff. Mike, come on back. All right, Dan, what do you make of Mike's trade? So 
I think Mike just laid it out really perfectly. For a stock that's up 50-some percent of the year, it's consolidated a little bit. There is an event that you can target here, the implied move. This is where Mike is actually looking to kind of sell that call. So the best-case scenario is the stock is at 105, and you've taken in $2 after the stock's appreciated. If you got that between now and January expiration, that would be, I think, a pretty good outcome for this stock. So I like the idea of overriding along like this. Right, and it's also threatening uh, to break a trend line. So there's a fairly well-defined line that uh, you can see on the chart from the December low, and we're at risk, frankly, after this 55% advance to new sharp all-time highs, 52-week highs, that it's exhausted. So I think you've got to take measures however one does it, and this is as good a way to do it as any. Yeah, I mean, one of the things, also, it's interesting because we're coming into the end of the year, and it's not uncommon people have huge gains. We've seen big gains in American Express since the beginning of the year. We've seen big gains in CarMax. There's a lot of stocks that are like this. But there are a lot of reasons why people don't necessarily want to just go out and sell stocks that are gainers right before the end of the year. I mean, there could be tax consequences. There are a lot of reasons why you wouldn't necessarily do that. But this is a way that you can look for a little bit of additional yield. Worst case in January you're up 8% if the stock continues to rally through that strike. Okay, good stuff there, Mike, on CarMax. All right, up next, another hot stock, Starbucks. Really been steaming this year. We're going to tell you how one of our traders is betting on the coffee giant into the new year. Plus, it's Friday. So you know what that means. Send us your burning options questions. If you're one of the lucky ones, our traders will answer it on air. And also, time to pick favorites. Go to our Twitter, at OptionsActions, to tell us which of our trades tonight strikes your fancy. We are live, as always, from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. We're back right after this. Today's Money Mover, Wheaton Precious Metal CEO, Randy Smallwood. A commodities outlook. What's ahead for gold and the precious metal sector? Carl Quintanilla, Sarah Eisen, Money Movers. Today, 11 Eastern, CNBC. And welcome back to Options Action. All right, time now to take a look back at one of our open trades. Last week, Dan over here said Starbucks was due for a boost. It just bounced off a couple of times from that uptrend from the December lows. It's now approaching what I think was an important technical level on the downside a few months ago, which is now resistance, you know, right below 90 or so. That looks like a really constructive chart to me. You could buy the January 87.5 call for $1.50. That breaks even um, at 89 bucks. It's up 3%. All right, and Starbucks up about 2.5% since that trade. So good work, Dan. What, if anything, are you doing on this trade now? Yeah, so this happened, you know, week over week. This stock's up 2.5% or so, and now it is in the money. So the stock was 86.30, about the 87.5 call in January. Now that call, that cost of buck fifty last week is worth two fifty. I think you want to kind of roll that up a little bit. I'd be inclined to kind of look at the January ninety calls, which are offered at a, a dollar thirty. So take a dollar profit on the Jan eighty seven half and look to use that to finance the purchase of the Jan ninety calls. That's how I trade this thing. All right. We are now joined by Options Play Chief Strategist Tony Zhang for a little more insight into Starbucks. Hey, welcome to the Options Action Set, Tony. Good to see you. Thank you so much. All um, right. So what is your play? What is your trade on Starbucks? So, Dan, I really like this trade. I, I thought you caught the inverted head and shoulders at the right time, broke out above that 87 level. I think this thing can run up to about 92. And you played this really simple with the call option when vols are cheap. Uh, the trade's up about 66%, like you said. Um, 
And normally, with options play, I think normally we would start thinking about trying to parse some, some gains here. But I actually think uh, I found an interesting play here where you can actually roll this out to the February $90, $90 calls. You could trade that for an even uh, trade, which means that you can actually roll this all the way out to February, capture earnings, which is a week after your, your expiration date, and be able to buy yourself uh, another month without spending any more money. So you know, Brian, I've been doing this show for 10 years. I just got schooled by the kid. He's right. You know why? You got to look up. So this is called rolling it up and out, right? And so he's identified a catalyst. I was actually just looking to play up momentum and a technical setup, and I was looking at January. But what he's saying now is because we got this profit, let's look at that catalyst, which February expiration is going to do, and I can do that for uh, you know net even money. Yeah, there's another reason why that's actually a pretty good idea. One of the things you'll typically see on options that are on the long side of a catalyst is that the implied volatility will rise as that catalyst approaches. Approaches, right. So if you're going to trade it through that, so you can actually almost get a lowered rate of decay because that option is not going to decay as quickly as you think. Of course, you can then reevaluate right before earnings, decide what you want to do. Maybe the stocks had all the move you want, but I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the stock can continue up to 92. So you don't think back to those prior highs just below 100, you get the momentum going and that earnings event, you know, could catalyze it. Is that how you would think about is just 92 or do we have more to go? Well, I'm thinking that you risk 2% on this particular trade and I can trade earnings of just risking 2%. And that's a great trade. Like well, here's the thing. You got to, before you get to 100, you got to get 92. And there's a lot of congestion at that 89 to 92 level. Right. This entire month of trading is... As, as Tony knows. So, in a way, that's the immediate target where maybe measures should be taken. Do you think it'll get there when you look I at the I think it'll push target? into overhead supply, but not really through it. And that's what that but level you're But if we get to 92, break through it, becomes resistance? Yeah, that's, that's we weeks and weeks we and weeks up. of time. This is a more immediate thing. I think you go quickly sort of into that 91, 92, and that's about where it ends. All right. How op optimistic are you about those levels, Tony? Uh, I like Starbucks going into earnings. I like the, the growth strategy they have currently in China. Um, it's a great play. I'll just make one last point on this. Mm -hmm. is like if you overlaid McDonald's and Starbucks over the last six months or so, okay. they had very similar charts. They were making new all-time highs in the summer. They both had peak-to-trough declines of about 15%. This one's bottomed, and it started to turn. Microsoft, uh, McDonald's can't get out of its own way here, so I like playing this thing for momentum into the 90s. All right. Tony, real pleasure to have you on set, by the way. Thank you so much for the having kids, me. Kids, school in the Nathan. All right, up next, the final call. Well, that's all we have time for tonight. Thanks, guys. We'll see you back here next Friday. Don't go anywhere because Mad Money with Jim begins next. Today's Money Mover, Wheaton Precious Metal CEO, Randy Smallwood. A commodities outlook. What's ahead for gold and the precious metal sector? Carl Quintanilla, Sarah Eisen, Money Movers. Today, 11 Eastern, CNBC.